weekend we are celebrating obviously Memorial Day weekend. And this is a weekend where we step back and remember um, the soldiers that fought for our freedom but lost their lives in the midst of that. And because of that, we are here today. So I want you to take a look at this video as we just celebrate um, the time that they've given us and given their lives. who gave all. Shall we just have a moment of silence? Our dear God, we thank you so much for all that you've done for us, God. We thank you for the way that you love us the way that you have freed us at the cross, Lord, what you did for us there to give us eternal life. And God, today we pause and we remember those that have given their life so that we may have freedom in this land. God, we thank you for this country. We thank you for America. And we know that God has blessed America. We ask you to continue to bless America, Lord. And I thank you for your hand that has been on this place. And God, as we today, we pause and we grieve with those who grieve, Lord. Um, you said, blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. So today, Lord, we pause and we mourn with those who are grieving over uh, the loss of a, a military family member that gave their life, whether it was in a recent conflict or in many, many years ago. Father, we pause and we remember them today. And we say thank you, Lord, for their sacrifice 
thank you for this freedom that we have in this great country, the United States of America. In your precious name we pray. Amen. You may be seated, please. Welcome to Crossroads. We're glad that you're here this morning. Just, uh, just a few announcements here today that I'd like to share with you. First of all, please pass the friendship folders down the aisle. The little black folders, you'll find them somewhere around here. And, uh, and ju- just a few announcements. We're, we're right on the, on the cusp of June here. Ne- uh, next week is June the 1st. Hard to believe that's already here. But June Jamboree will be on June the 16th, and that's out on the lawn. And what I want you to do is take these flyers and, and hand them out to people, invite people to come. They have to get a ticket online. So we want everybody to get a ticket online uh, just so we ha- make sure we have enough parking for this whole thing, all right? Uh, like we did for the, the egg drop, we everybody had a free ticket. So you go to the church website, tell them to get their free ticket, and it will come on email. You'll get a free ticket. And uh, come on out. There's going to be the live band. Our band will be out there. We'll have a big stage out there. It's going to be awesome. We already have over 300 people have gotten tickets. Isn't that exciting? And uh, so I'm just excited about what God's going to do out there that night as we reach out to the community and care. At the end of the night, at 9 o'clock, we're going to show a movie out there. So bring a lawn chair and a blanket, and we're going to be having a good time out there as we uh, as we uh, just, just have fun. The movie's called Sing. It's going to be a great time and uh, a great family event. So we want to encourage you, if you're, not able, if you're able to help, we could use some help. We need about 50 people. I think they're getting close, but we need a few more hands. Stop by the table in the back to my right. In the back of the auditorium, there's a table there, so please stop there and sign up if you can help to serve. Maybe you can serve by crowd control, par- help with parking, uh, uh, playing games, whatever. There's th- all kinds of things, and then we'll help you find an area to serve. Uh, also today, a few other announcements. We have coming up high school camp for our teenagers. That is coming up July 10th through the 14th. And you'll notice in the foyer, there's a, a, a display that says pushing the envelope. We're trying to help, uh, help sponsor as much of these kids that we can. I was talking to one of our teenagers yesterday. I went, I went on the walk for the homeless, all right? Then we had about 10 people, maybe 12 from the church. We went down, we did the walk from the homeless. So if I'm not as animated today, it's because I did a 10K walk, all right? So anyhow, but I was down there yesterday. One of our teenagers was sharing with me that she sold like 60 hoagies to go, on this, on, to, go to camp. And she's telling me how she's getting her money and trying to pull it all together and, and what parts she's short. Well, we want to encourage you, if you can give, go to the Push the Envelope campaign and help to give and, and, and put in the envelope. But you'll, you'll see there's, uh, the directions are out there, but each envelope has a number on it. So it could be number one, it could be number 200. You pick the number that you like and that you'd like to give, and then you put it in the envelope, and then you put in the offering plate or you put in the offering boxes as it comes uh, as you leave today. So we'd like to encourage you to help a teenager out in that area. And then we also have coming up Vacation Bible School. That's coming up July 17th through the 21st. So that's right around the corner here. And uh, we want to encourage you. you uh, you're going to want to jump in and help with that. We'll be taking signups for help for that. You can already pre-register for VBS. Get your kids involved there. And the pre-registration is on our church website as well. All right. And then you'll notice one other thing inside the bulletin. Legacy Weekend. All right. That is coming up. That is on the last Sunday of June. Pastor John Arnold will be back for a visit. And we're excited to have him back. And I know he's been chomping at the bit to get back. And I said, well, just jump a plane and come home. And so we, we got him coming in on the last weekend of June, and uh, he's excited to just rekindle some relationships and just, just touch base with you all. So 
we'll be looking forward to that. That's coming up the end of June as well, all right? This time, I'd like to ask our ushers to come forward. We'll receive our morning offering. And uh, as they come this morning, if you're a guest here, we want to welcome you to Crossroads. And I want to encourage you to let this pass you by. Let this offering pass you by if you're a guest. Uh, But please do stop by our Welcome Center. We have a gift for you there at the Welcome Center, all right? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Our Father and our God, we come before you and we thank you for all that you're doing in this place. Thank you for how you're moving and uh, just, just doing great things in the church, Lord. I thank you for lives that are being transformed on a regular basis, Lord. We're just watching you uh, touch families. You're reaching in. And Lord, uh, we, we just thank you for all, the, all that you're doing. And so today, as we come and we give, we realize that you've given everything to us. So we're responding to you and giving back to you. Thank you, Lord. We ask that you'll bless as we give to your name. In your name we pray. Amen. be 
It's a beautiful day in this neighborhood, a beautiful day for a neighbor. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? It's a neighborly day in this beauty wood, a neighborly day for a beauty. Would you be mine? Could you be mine? I have always wanted to have a neighbor just like you. I've always wanted to live in a neighborhood with you. So let's make the most of this beautiful day. Since we're together, we might as well say, would you be mine? Would you be mine? Won't you be my neighbor? Won't you please? Won't you please? Please won't you be my neighbor? Welcome to this neighborhood, neighbor. We'd like to welcome you to our neighborhood, neighbor. All right. Uh, yeah, the, uh, one of the older guys in the church here asked me this morning, they said, do you think he ever missed when he threw that shoe? You know, when, when you were a kid and you watched it, he always threw the shoe. I was always mesmerized. I'd, I'd just sit there and say, wow, he threw his shoe. He didn't even look and he threw his shoe. Anyhow, so uh, Won't You Be My Neighbor? We started a new series last week called Won't You Be My Neighbor? And last week we looked at the Good Samaritan. We looked at identifying who is my neighbor. And, you know, it's so easy for us to, to bypass the people that we live next to. And uh, we, we looked last week, we said that, the, that a neighbor is, uh, is not necessarily somebody who's like you. A lot of times, you know, you, you, we pick our neighborhoods based upon, you know, we like the area, we like the style, we like all these different things. But in the end of the day, your neighbors typically aren't like you, all right? There, there's going to be some sort of difference. And so in the biblical time, when they heard neighbor, they automatically went and they thought about somebody who was like them, somebody who was of the same tribe, somebody who was uh, of their tribe of, uh, of Israel, one of the 12 tribes. And so last week we saw that a neighbor is somebody that is not like you. And we're to love people that are not like us. To, to you know, to, to walk by and see somebody hurting, we, we need to stop. And, uh, and we walk by people every day who are hurting. We walk by our neighbors. We, we move in and out of, of our neighborhood. We hit the button on the garage door. We come in. We stay in our air-conditioned castle. We hit the button and we come out. We, we don't have any connection with people. And so, so the, the art of neighboring is really a lost art. It has become a, a, an art that you don't see people doing anything anymore uh, with relationship. We have phones now, right? Who needs a relationship when you have a phone, right? Try to marry a phone. That's wonderful, right? You know, it, it's, we need relationship. We need, we need communication. So we have the phone and we can sit there and we can scroll up and down on the phone all, all that we want. And, uh, but that doesn't meet the need of relationship. And Jesus was creating a movement that was highly relational. Uh, when he had the 12 disciples, now, he had these 12, this band of guys that hung with him, and he started a ministry that's lasted over 2,000 years. It was relational. He started with a, a group of 12 guys, poured his life into them, and he spent high amount of time with those, with those guys. And, and so relationships are important. Everywhere that Jesus went... We see him interacting with people. We've been looking at how Jesus interacted with people over and over throughout the, really since uh, before Easter, we've been looking at, at all these different times when you see Jesus interacting, Jesus making a connection. And Jesus did that. He made all kind of connections because people were important to him. Relationships. And so, so uh, this morning, we're going to look at this question. As we talk about neighboring, uh, this is a big question here. <clears throat> and the question is why? Why should I be a good neighbor? 
Why should I care about my neighbor next door? Why should I, uh, uh, you know, why should I stop and be inconvenienced? Why should I care about those people around me? Why should I be a good neighbor? Turn in your Bibles this morning to Matthew chapter 22, and uh, we're going to pick up in verse 34. Last week, we looked at a man who asked Jesus a question, and Jesus draws the answer out of the man. Today, we're going to look at a man who asked Jesus a question, and look at how Jesus responds, and they're actually very similar. But uh, let's pick up here, Matthew 22, verse 34. Uh, But when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together. So what was happening here in this verse, we have two groups. There, there were two groups of religious leaders. You had the Pharisees, and we commonly know about the Pharisees. You commonly hear the Pharisees get a bad rap, right? These were the people that were, they were always antagonistic to Jesus, and, uh, but they were the religious leaders. They knew the law. But there was another group that had a little bit more political clout, and it was the Sadducees. The Sadducees also, had, uh, also knew the law. They knew, knew the ins and outs, and so they're coming. And between these two groups, you had this argumentation that would happen, the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees. And there would always be argumentation between these two groups. So the Pharisees and the Sadducees weren't necessarily friends unless they were against Jesus, all right? So uh, you, you, had, you had this mentality here. here here's, here's the Pharisees, here's the Sadducees. If you go back and look at Matthew 22, you'll see that the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they, they're kind of taking turns um, testing Jesus. They're kind of taking turns um, trying to trip him, trying to find a loophole in where Jesus is at, trying to see him make a mistake. They're trying to get him to make a mistake to say that he really doesn't know the Bible, that he doesn't know the law, the the Old Testament law, which was Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. So, So you have these two groups. And within there, you know, when we think of the law, I think we typically go to the Ten Commandments, right? We think of the Ten Commandments. Thou shalt not steal, thou shalt not... Um, murder, all, you know, all, all these type of things. We're, we're thinking of these things, the, the Ten Commandments. We think of the top ten. But really, the, uh, the, these groups, the Pharisees and the Sadducees, they looked into the Bible, and they found out that there were 613 commands given in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. 613 commands. Now, we've all broken a few of the Ten Commandments, no doubt. Imagine how many that we've broken out of the 613, all right? You have 613, and, 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 and this, is, this is where they're at. So the, the Pharisees and the Sadducees are going back and forth, and they're arguing back and forth over the law. They're arguing which ones are the weightier ones, which ones are the insignificant ones, or, or, or the less weightier, I should say. Uh, they're arguing over the, the 200. They said that there were 248 that were positive. 248 in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy, these five books of of the Jewish Old Testament law, there were 248 um, that were were positive. They said, do something. Then the rest, 365, were negative. Don't do this. Don't do that. And so you have these two parties that were they're trying to chip, trip Jesus, and you see the Sadducees just before this passage that we're talking about today. They come up before Jesus, and they're trying to trip Jesus. They ask him a question about marriage. And, uh, and Jesus silences them. 
And he quiets them down. And so it says, but when the Pharisees heard that he had silenced the Sadducees, they said, it's our turn now. And look at the next verse here, verse, verse 35. Then one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question, testing him and saying, teacher, what is the greatest commandment in the law? So, so this was a big discussion. We see this question here. We saw the same question last week when we're looking at the, the parable of the Good Samaritan. We, we see it. What is the greatest law? So these people are coming and they're asking, what is the greatest law? What, out of all the law, out of 613, what is the greatest? And the reason that they're asking Jesus is because the Sadducees and the Pharisees would go back and forth on what is the greatest, what is the heaviest. Now, he says to them, the, the teacher, what is the greatest commandment of the law? Verse 37, Jesus responds, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. He says that is the first commandment, to love the Lord your God with everything in you. All your heart, all your soul, all your mind. Verse 39, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus says here, loving God, and here's a second commandment. Now, they, the question was, what is the greatest commandment, right? So he responds to him and says, here is the greatest commandment. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. That is actually a quote from Deuteronomy chapter 6. So he's drawing back to the law, and he pulls it out. Deuteronomy chapter 6, verse 4. 4 and 5, right in that area there. He, he responds, and he gives them this. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Absolutely, number one, the greatest command. And then he says, here's a second command. And it's, it's really, it's, it's like it. It's similar. Love your neighbor as yourself. And when he did that, he was quoting Leviticus 19.18. And he says, to love your neighbor. Love the Lord your God, number one, and to love your neighbor. And so here's the why to love our neighbor, because it's the greatest command. As a matter of fact, on uh, number 40, verse 40, Jesus continues on. He says, on these two commands hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus' command, here is the command, right here. His command is that we love. His command is that we love God first. That, that, this is the greatest command. And I think, you know, we talk about loving God, and we talk about it, you know, like come, come to church all the time and, and love God. And, and, but listen, there, there's some depth here. The, the, the word here, love. He says, I want you to agape God. I want you to love God in that. I want you to agape him. There, there's, there's a couple words for love in the Greek. So the, the New Testament was written in Greek. It, that was the, the common language of the day. So here, here's a couple words. One word was phileo. That's brotherly love. If I shake hands with you in the hallway, phileo. That's, that's brotherly love. We high five. We give a hug. That's just kind of casual relationship. That is, we're friendly towards each other. But agape is, I love you no matter what. I love you through thick and I love you through thin. And that is how Jesus loves us. He says, I want you to love me with agape love. Whoa. Just one problem. Here's what happens in life. We love God and then all of a sudden our boat gets rocked. And many times our love is shaken. Shaken. 
I've been around people over and over that will say, I love God, but then this happened, and man, I don't love God anymore. And now I'm better, and well, I'll get back into it. I'll love him again. And so God says, look, I love you. I have loved you with an unconditional, everlasting love. He agapes you. That's how he loves you. There's nothing you can do to earn his love. Aren't you excited about that? Aren't you thanking God that, that his love for you is not based upon your goodness? His love for you is based upon him and his love for you. And he says, I love you no matter what through thick and thin. And I love what 1 John says here. The book of 1 John, chapter 4, verse 19 He says that we love him because he first loved us. So let's take that now and let's let's expand this command here and understand. So John has given us a little bit of insight to God's love. He says that we love him because he first loved us. Jesus comes to the earth. He pays the price for our sin. and, uh, And so because he loved you, Because God loved you first, he unconditionally gives you this opportunity to have a relationship with the God of the universe. Because he loved us first, we love him. The reason that you love him is not because it was some idea of yours. The reason that you love him is because God is pursuing you. God is pursuing you. He cares about you. He loves you. And from from the day you were born, God is pursuing you. You know, God knew, and in all of God's goodness, God knew that you would be here this morning. And he knew this before the foundation of the earth. Isn't that awesome? That God had you here this morning to understand and to remember his love. To come back and remember who he is and what he has done for you. So he he loved you, and so he asked us now to love him. So we return we return the love to God. And if I could draw better, huh? That'd be an arrow, right? So uh, he says, return the love. Uh, we, we, we're now loving him. We love back. And it's unconditional. When things are good, when things are bad. When tragedy happens, I still love God. I'm in pain when tragedy happens, but I still love God. I'm not, my love will not be shaken because of anything that happens around here. My love is on him. Why? Because he loved me that way. He loves you that way. He cares about you. It's an unconditional love that God went to the cross, paid for your sin, and he asked us now to love him with all your heart, with all your mind, with all your strength. So everything about you, he's asking you, to love him. And then he takes it, and remember, the, the, it continues on. He says, and to love your neighbor as yourself, right? So, uh, so we have, the, we have this, this, this vertical uh, between us and God, and then there's the horizontal. And, uh, and he says, I want you to love your neighbor as yourself. Now, I'm thanking God that he says to, to love your neighbor as yourself because we all kind of love ourselves, right? We all care for ourselves to some degree. Um, and that's healthy. We're, we're supposed to take care of ourselves. I'm glad that you got a shower. I'm glad you brushed your teeth. I'm glad you did those, those basic things, right? You love yourself. And you love us too. Thank you. All right? But I, I want you to think about this, all right? First um, John 4 says that we love him because he first loved us. Now look at the very next verse. It says, if someone says, I love God and hate his brother... He is a liar. 
For he who does not love his brother whom he can see, how can he love a God that he cannot see? So what, what John is telling us here, John is saying this loving God and loving your neighbor is, is very much intertwined. Uh, you can't have one without the other. And as a matter of fact, he says, if you're loving God and saying that you hate your brother, well, you're lying. You're lying. You're, you're, you're not loving God. So God's love is, uh, he, he loved us first, we return the love. That's why we love our neighbor. Because he loved us first because of what he's done for us. Now I can turn to my neighbor and I can love my neighbor. Now, as we think about a neighbor, again, I don't want you to just bypass the people who live in your neighborhood. Uh, we, it's easy for us to think of the man laying on the road. You know, yesterday, it was funny, I was, uh, we were doing this walk for the homeless. I'm out there with uh, Wade Baker. Wade and I, we're, we're walking for the homeless. And Wade was nice to walk at my pace, a little slower, all right? So we're walking, and, uh, you know, we didn't come in first place. I'll just let you know that much, all right? So uh, we're, we're walking, and we're, you know, I said we were, the, we were the counseling session all the way back and forth. I never knew two men could talk that much. It was really cool, all right? So we're, we're walking back and forth, uh, up and down on this trail, and we come by, and there's a, there's a lady laying down. She had fallen, and there was a big crowd around her, right? So it's natural for us to want to stop and help. And uh, Wade and I both agreed there were enough Samaritans around her. They didn't need us. We kept going. But there was enough people there. But it's amazing how we take the whole Good Samaritan thing and think, well, of course you wouldn't let somebody lay there. Of course I wouldn't let anybody lay there. But how many times do I ignore the needs of my neighbors? How many times do I drive up and down my street, hit the button and come inside? Open the garage door, stay in my air-conditioned castle. How many times am I going like this and not seeing there's needs around me? People have emotional needs. They have physical needs. They have spiritual needs. And so God has placed you in your neighborhood. I want you to think about this. God placed you. You bought that house because you like it, because you can afford it. Uh, you like the neighborhood, you like the school district, you like everything about that house. That's why you bought that house, right? So let me give you a little insight. God placed you in that neighborhood not just because you can afford it and not just because you like that school district and not because of all those things, but he placed you there for his purposes so that you can reach out and that you can love those around you. Now, if we start to learn how to love those that are around us, learn how to care for people that are around us, because he loved me, you can now love those around you. He placed you there for that specific reason. It's bigger than what you're thinking. And so when we see this, we see that God loved us first, and we're to love our neighbor. But there's a, there's a couple barriers that come along, isn't there? A couple barriers that come in, into this. And I want you to think about the first barrier today. The barrier to loving our neighbor. The barrier, there's a barrier that's, that comes between loving God and loving our neighbor. The barrier that comes to loving our neighbor, and I'm going to say this, is busyness. You ever get just too busy? Anybody live a life where you have all this spare time laying around, you know? When was the last time you had a free evening? Um, we're just so busy, we're kind of coming and going all the time. Uh, look over here at Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Now it happened as they went that he, en that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. This is actually the, right after the Good Samaritan. So he tells the parable of the Good Samaritan, and now he goes into the next town. And Luke's giving us this account. He says, Now it happened as they went there that he entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him. 
And, and she had a sister, verse 39, named Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So, so here's Mary and here's Martha. Martha is, uh, is working, and, and Mary and Martha should be both working together. But Mary has chosen to sit down at the seat, uh, at the feet of Jesus. She has chosen to take it in. She's chosen to, 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 to drink in what, what uh, drink in the, the, this, this love, to drink in who Jesus is, to drink in what he's teaching. And so, but Martha, verse 40, Martha was distracted with much serving. So Martha's in the kitchen. She's chopping up the onions, right? She's chopping up the onions and she's doing her thing and she's just working so hard and she sees that her sister is sitting at the feet of Jesus. And look what she does. She approached him, she approached Jesus and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. Do you not care that my sister has left me to do this? Tell her to help me. And Jesus answered to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things. But one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen the good part, which will not be taken away from her. Uh, Martha, so, so here's what happened. Martha is struggling. Martha is going back and forth here. Martha is, is, is working hard. She's in the kitchen. She comes to Jesus. There's this tension she, there's frustration because Martha is so busy. She's just working. And here's her sister just sitting there listening to Jesus. And she's taking it all in. Now let me give you a little, little insight here to the passage. Whenever in the, in the cultural day, all right, the cultural norm of the day, a rabbi, Jesus was known, many people would call him rabbi, teacher, okay? A rabbi, a teacher, he would have his followers, and, and, and Jesus had his followers. They were the 12. Any typical rabbi, there were people that wanted to get so close to the rabbi that they thought knew more or that they were, that was closer to God. And so the, the common phrase would be to get in the dust of the rabbi. And they would sit there and they would sit at his feet. So Mary is sitting at the feet. The cultural norm of the day would only be that was a place of a man. You would never see a woman sitting at the foot of a rabbi. It just didn't happen. It was not the cultural norm of the day. And so, so Mary is going against the cultural norm of the day. And so when Martha comes in, Martha's frustrated. Martha's like, what is wrong? Jesus, she shouldn't be in here. She should be with me. Because in that day, that would be where the women always were. The women would always have been preparing the meal. They would have always been doing the servant while the men were having their meeting. And so here's Mary and Martha with this tension. And Jesus says, whoa, 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 whoa. Uh, Mary has chosen the right thing. She's sitting at my feet. She's learning from me. She's, she, she's caught the relationship here. And you see, this goes back to love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. That's it. Sometimes we're just so busy, we don't even love God. Sometimes we're so busy, we're not even sitting at his feet and saying, man, can I learn a little bit more about who he is? Can I, can I, know, can I get to know him? Can I revel in who he is? And, and sometimes we're just sitting, we're not even sitting there. We're just, we're busy. We're playing church. We're going off, we're doing church. We're going off and we're, we're, we're making events happen and doing, we're just so tired. In the meantime, God says, come unto me. I have rest for your soul. 
You don't have to work all the time. You don't have to be constantly busy. How about with our neighbors? Last week I drew the chart and I asked you to think about your neighbors. I said, uh, draw a chart. And I hope that many of you have taken this to heart and that, uh, that you have drawn the chart and put your house in the middle. All right? So there's my house. Not a very good one, but it's a house, right? Uh, put your house in the middle and then go around and, and list off the neighbors that are around you, A, B, and C. Um, how, how do we love our neighbors if we don't know their names? A was filling their name. Do you know the names of the eight neighbors? And I went home and I said, oh, I'm pretty good at six. I got two more. I got I to gotta, I gotta work on two more. Uh, B was, what, what do you know about them? In other words, what do you know because you had a conversation? Like I could tell, you can tell if your neighbor works at a certain company if he has a, a logo on his car. I'm not talking about that. But like you know what he does. You know, you know a little bit about them. And then C was in depth. What do you know about what really makes them tick? Some of their pains, some of their needs, some of their hurts. So that was A, B, and C. And we said that only 10% of Christians could fill in just A. Only 10% could fill in A on all those blocks. Now I want you to think with me this morning about this. Because we get so busy, we can bypass all of these people. And we just get busy and busy and busy. I want to share this with you on, uh, on uh, t- today. This is... Memorial Day weekend. We're having a little gathering out at my father-in-law's house. He's turning 80. And I just watched about, you know, this whole business. You think of Mary and Martha and Martha in the kitchen. So this is what's been kind of going on around our house a little bit lately. So my wife and I, we got into this discussion because my, my father-in-law's turning 80. We're having a big party. I mean, they're doing something crazy. They're having 80 people to their house today. This is, this, for them, you have to understand, they don't normally throw parties like this. This is the end, you know, it turned 80, I guess, it, you know, I hope it's not the end, but it's the biggest deal of their life out there, right? So, so my wife is going on and on with me, and she's, uh, she's telling me about the food, and she's getting frustrated over meatballs, all right? I'm thinking, Meatballs? What are you worried about the meatballs? And she's going on, blah, 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 blah. You know, and, and I'm getting this whole story, and I'm like, oh, my goodness. So we have this discussion the other night. I turned to her, and I said, at the end of the day, let me give you a little, little bit of hope here. At the end of the day, nobody will ever remember if the meatballs were good or bad. Okay? Nobody. And she's all sweating and figuring this out and, you know, blah, 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 going on about the different stuff. And then, and then she, you know, then she understands. Of course, she knew that, yeah, of course, nobody's going to remember the meatballs. But it's amazing how we get so stressed out over meatballs, uh, over things that we're, and we're busyness. In the meantime, there's a relationship. Let's go and let's thank God that this man turned 80 that he's been here for 80 years, that, that, that he's been the, this legend of the family, this, this hero of the family, and just thank God for that. Instead, we get so frustrated. And so many times we can do that with our neighbors. And I started to look and I started to say, man, in my own neighborhood, are there people that I have, that I, that I, I know their name, but can I take it to the next step? And I'm, and I'm really convicted. I'm asking God, Lord, would you help me? And so I want to encourage you, I want to, I want to challenge you to not just bypass your neighborhood because God placed you into your neighborhood for a specific reason. God has you doing something more than just your life. He wants you to love your neighbor. And many times your neighbors are not like you. They're unlovely. You don't like them. And God wants you to love them. 
So the other day, I'm standing there, and I'm, you know, just out of the blue. I'm looking, I'm seeing my one neighbor who lives across the street, his tractor broke, his, his, his lawn tractor. And I'm looking, I'm like, you know what? The cultural norm is that I cut grass on this side of the street. It's not normal for me to go across the street and cut their grass, right? And it's like God's given me all these opportunities to cut grass. My wife says, you're becoming the neighborhood stealth grass cutter, you know? So I go, I go over there, and I take the tractor, and, uh, and I'm over across the street, and it's the first period of the Penguin game on Tuesday night, which you know this is really loving your neighbor if you're going to sacrifice period one, Right? But I did make it back for period three, right? But period one, I'm missing it, and I'm out there, and I'm cutting the grass as it's getting dark, right? So I'm driving this tractor up and down this guy's yard. And, uh, and I know his name. That's about all I know. And then all of a sudden, I look, and I see this guy. He's like, he's like at the table, and I see him go, he kind of just looks outside. And he sees, that, he sees that I'm there, but he doesn't know even who I am. It's kind of dark, you know, it's like... Number one, what's he doing cutting it at night anyhow, right? So it's 8 o'clock, the sun's going down, and, and I'm out there, just this big blob on a, on a tractor. And when I'm done, I put the tractor away, and I said, I don't even know if he knew it was me. And you see what I did? I started to love a neighbor. He had a need, and I saw the need, and I met it. And so, so, so I'm, I'm saying, okay, he doesn't even know my name yet. For some of you, the first step may not be cutting the neighbor's grass. It may be making eye contact. Uh, if you don't know somebody's name, maybe it's making eye contact. You just make eye contact. Maybe you're driving by and you, you do the old wave, you know. You get one of those when a neighbor drives by. It's like, okay. You see, now you're expressing love. You're saying, okay, I love I, this guy. I validated him. You know, when I just look at the neighbor and wave like this, um, of course, not that cheesy, right? So you, you got to wave. You know what you did? You validated them as a human being. You give them, you validate them. And so that's where it starts. So for some of you, are saying, man, I don't know anybody's names. Maybe you know one person's name. Um, you know, just start looking and seeing how God will, will work in your life as you care, as you give, as you pray. Maybe you go around and just start prayer walking in the neighborhood, just, just walk around and pray quietly inside. And if you do prayer walking, I recommend you do it with your eyes open, all right? Uh, it's not good to walk around your neighborhood with your eyes closed. It's harmful to your health, all right? You're going to get hurt. But I want, I want you to walk around your neighborhood and with your eyes open and just ask God, Lord, would you help me to get to know this neighbor? Somehow, help me find their name. And it's amazing. You'll be walking your dog, and all of a sudden, your dog's going to pull into their yard and you're going to have to clean up a mess in their yard, and you're going to learn their names because you were out there and you prayed and you asked God to give it to you. Um, you know, we're, 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 trying to, we're, we're trying to be neighbors. Through the years, our neighbors have come to us, and we've gone to them, and they'll, they'll ask for a stick of butter, you know? You, you know, you're, you're running short, and they'll ask for a stick of butter. And I figure they probably come to us because we went to them so many times. You know, every time you're in the middle of a recipe, you need a stick of butter. Uh, last night, I was sharing, sharing something of that nature, and uh, one of the ladies here, she said, I got to tell you what happened in my neighborhood. I, I, I was, you know, just at my house, and the doorbell rings. It's a little kid, neighborhood kid, and he rings the doorbell and says, can I borrow a cup of sugar? We're making cookies. So she said, we live on a cul-de-sac, there's 12 houses, and, and so I gave him a cup of sugar. 
She says, three hours later, the kid shows up, rings my doorbell, and tried to get me to buy one of his cookies. <laughs> I said, that is classic, all right? She said, could I at least get a buy one, get one free special here because I help with the sugar, right? But you see, that's what it is. It's just being a neighbor. It's not some, look, I'm not trying to invent some program that we go out and we cut everybody's grass. No, God's given me this opportunity to cut grass. I don't know why. I'm asking for some other opportunity for sure. You know, cutting grass is not like on my high on my list, but I guess it is just on a tractor and, and you know, it's not that hard. I'm not even pushing them up. I'm riding a tractor around people's yards. But what is God, what could God do in your neighborhood? What could God do as you love God first? If you put God in the, in the first spot, remember he loved you first, so you're just going to respond to him. And then this will naturally outflow. And it's not some checklist we go off, and it's not some crazy thing like that. It is, it's who you are. It's who you are. I love God, and I love my neighbor. Let's bow in prayer. With our heads bowed and eyes closed today, I'd like to invite you to love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. That's a little bit deeper than going to church. That's a little bit deeper than programs of the church. That's you and God. And whenever times get hard, whenever you have bad things happen in your life, you're going to love God. Not because of anything, but because he loved you. So if that's you today and you say, Pastor Ken, I need to open my heart to God. I need to, I need to start there. I need to start with Jesus this morning. And I'd like to invite you to open your heart to him. Just pray a prayer, something like this, quietly. Dear God, I, I know that I'm a sinner. I've done wrong things. I've offended a holy God. But you died on the cross and you paid for my sin. Jesus, you love me first. Thank you, and I accept your love. Thank you for dying on that cross, for coming back to life again. I invite you into my life right now. And maybe for others, you, you've been loving God, but maybe it's been rocky and your love has been tested and your love has been wavering lately. You haven't been agape in God. You've kind of been on the brotherly side, taking it when it's good. God says, I have something much deeper for you. I want you to love me like I loved you. Would you recommit your love to him today? Would you recommit to the first commandment? He says to love the Lord your God with all your heart, your soul, and your mind. Would you respond to Jesus this morning and love him that way? And ask him to give you the strength to love you, love him that way? And then others may be struggling with neighbors. Maybe there's somebody in your life. It could be somebody in the office, your neighbor at work, your neighbor at recreation, your neighbor in your neighborhood. Who are the people that God has placed around you that, that we've ignored? That we have just been so busy 
We're like Martha running around in the kitchen. We're, we're just so busy. And God says, slow down and understand that this is, there's a relationship here. Father God, thank you that you summed it all up for us, that there are two commands. And they both are love. Love you and love others. stand together as we sing our closing song and uh, if you'd like to come and kneel and pray feel free to do so let's worship our Lord Yes.